If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to... Wait, we can't. Title of the message is Mary of Bethany. We're going to be in John chapter 12, but we're going to take a look at some other scriptures where Mary is mentioned. Let's start in Luke's Gospel chapter 10. So we'll look at three different sections of scripture. I don't know if you know this, but they call Bethany the town of Mary. How did how awesome would it be to have a town named after you? Lazarus lived there, Martha lived there, but it was known as the town of Mary. So that's pretty cool. Lazarus, of course, we saw last time in John's Gospel, chapter 11, where we were last time. Jesus raised him from the dead. So we saw that take place, but um, chapter 12 begins the last week in John's gospel where we're at in the last week of Jesus' life. And you just have this cool little episode incident that we're going to look at where Mary anoints the feet of Jesus in preparation for his burial. Uh, At the women's study on Friday, Knock had the pleasure to cover Mary of Bethany. And so she got to be able to share some of this. And so some of you needed to hear it again or some of you needed to hear it for the first time because this is exactly what the Lord put on my heart to share. And I didn't want to just skate through it. I think she's just such an incredible character within the scriptures. Uh, She's definitely one of my scripture heroes. And so I just wanted to spend a little extra time just on Mary. Uh, She blesses me as a worshiper of Jesus and... It's so simple, and yet we struggle so much with it. So this is Luke chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 38. Title of the message, Mary of Bethany. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word. And Lord, we just thank you for how you are not a respecter of persons. No matter what our physical state might be, no matter what our financial situation might be, No matter what our health, wealth, anything, Lord, that the world would consider a limitation or something that is less than, Lord, you don't care about those things in the sense that we can be a worshiper of God. We can turn to you. We can look to you. We can find everything we need in you. So, Lord, I pray that we would see that here in this life. Bless your word, Lord, as we lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, can you guys hear me over there in the peanut gallery? Yeah, that little uh, section over there, my little uh, foyer. VIP, that's VIP? I thought Gabriella had VIP. That's the only VIP I see. Yes. Yeah, that's the mezzanine over there, bro. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, starting verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet, I'm sorry, at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Where was Mary? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her, to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried 
and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So in our first account here, we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha working and getting everything together. And that's not a bad thing. You know, Martha tends to get a bad rap. Roxanne was sharing this with me last week when we were talking about Mary and Martha. And just Roxanne was pointing out that, you know, she has a tendency to get a bad rap. It's not bad that she serves. I mean, she'd be commended in any other situation, right? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in God is not in vain, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says. And so there's nothing wrong with serving and working and ministering to people and ministering in the name of the Lord. But you'll notice it says of Martha that she was worried. Worry is sin. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything, right? And so when we worry, just wasted energy. We're concerned about things that oftentimes, percentage-wise, don't even come to pass. The Bible doesn't tell us what we, she was worried about. Was she worried about what the house looked like? What Jesus would think? I mean, talk about a VIP coming over for dinner. <laughs> you know, she wanted it just right. And bless her for that. But sometimes God doesn't care about the things we care about. Because that would reflect her and commend her. And so Jesus says of Mary, Martha, I'm not going to do that. In this case, right here in this situation, Mary's chosen the good thing. She's chosen to sit at my feet and listen to me teach. She's chosen the good thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her. And I find it interesting that Mary doesn't defend herself here. She's going to do the same thing in John's Gospel, chapter 12, not defend herself. But I think there's a peace when we sit at the feet of Jesus. What is the good part Jesus is referring to? The Word? Being with Him? Being unselfish? In what way was she unselfish? Okay. Amen. Okay, so something to think about, because Jesus says it right here, right? Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And I'm sure everything you guys said is accurate. But I think, what is that good part? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to him teach. I love the motive. It's unselfish. Maybe. Joe? She's worshiping? Yeah. Servant? Servanthood? Yeah. I, so again, that's questions for us to really at least take into consideration. Jesus says there's a good part, and that good part is not going to be taken away from her. Whether it's worship, servanthood, uh, whatever it is, it, I, I just thought that was neat. That question came to my mind. How can we sit at the feet of Jesus today? How can we sit at the feet of Jesus today? I think we're doing it right now, right? His word is going out. And so as we come to hear, hopefully we've prayed and our hearts are open to receive. And so, Lord, I, I'd like to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear from you. And so speak through your vessel and speak to me 
the truth that I need to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm requesting that. And so definitely that's a way that we can fit it, sit at the feet of Jesus. What do you have? Yeah, communing with God, I think, is awesome. Prayer, awesome dynamic. And uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know what your prayers are like. I don't know what your prayer life is like. But um, a lot of times I see a lot of formalism, a lot of ritualism, a lot of, um, I don't know. I think God wants to hear from our heart. If, I was, if, if my kid was talking to me, and they wanted to express something to me, I, I certainly wouldn't want something mechanical. You know, I, I certainly won't, won't want a speech written out before they came to me. Dad, I just want to say that I love you. Oh, like, darn, I spelled it wrong. Okay, sorry, Dad, let me start over. You know, wow, that, yeah, so sincere, so heartfelt. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye, right? I think God just wants to hear from us. Cries of our heart, the, um, the things that weigh us down, the things that burden us. The things that we're thankful for and joyful for, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. You know? So I think we could sit at the feet of Jesus in a lot of ways. One thing we learn from this little section, when we focus on Jesus, he becomes our greatest passion and our tendency to self-absorption dims and fades. Mary's not self-absorbed. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And whatever Martha was worried about, and whatever Martha was concerned as far as all the work that she was doing, whatever that motive and motivation was for her, it doesn't seem to phase Mary as she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, think about it. If Mary were to continue to go on in life sitting at the feet of Jesus, there would be a time where Jesus would instruct her on how to move out, how to do something how to be busy about the Lord's business, right? Next section of Scripture, turn with me to John chapter 11. We looked at it last week. So we're going to look at John 11 and then John 12. Those will be our two last sections that we'll take a look at. John chapter 11, we'll look at just a few verses there, but we're going to start at verse 28. John's Gospel chapter 11, starting at verse 28 through 33. And when she had said these things, she went her way, this is Martha, and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. So their brother Lazarus had died. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, notice what she does. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's a verbatim what her sister had said to Jesus earlier. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exact words. Verse 33, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Then the shortest verse in all of the Bible, verse 35, would say Jesus wept. And so we talked about that last time. We talked about maybe different reasons we thought Jesus would be weeping. But, you know, sin and death and just seeing the pain of his creation, pain of people, 
as they're going through this difficult time, you know, losing their brother, knowing that Jesus could have done something about it and he shows up four days later. Uh, you know, there, there are just all these questions, I'm sure, just circulating. But something I drew from this, when we sorrow and grieve, our greatest comfort is found in Jesus, whose compassion is boundless. When we place ourselves in his nail-scarred hands, we find comfort, peace, and security. And so regardless of what's going on, no matter what's happening, we can press in to our relationship with the Lord. This Monday I was overwhelmed. Just week, work, ministry, life, just stuff. And I just remember saying, Lord, today I need to live in your conscience, conscious presence. I just really want you to be where I'm at and I want to know that you're here I just, want to, I just want to do that today, Lord. And so I really set out to just do that. And what do you find when you do that? Man, life just, you know, everything fits in its rightful little place. Circumstances didn't change, you know. Didn't see no unicorns or you know, butterflies going by and all that good stuff, which I'm all for seeing a unicorn, but didn't see any. But you know what? I mean, just... Lord, you're with me. You're here. And that's good. So on purpose, like if somebody would post me a scripture, man, I want to read it. I want to read the scripture, Lord. What's it say? You know, if something was prodded. Man, I remember pulling over and just getting the Bible out. Okay, thank you, Lord. Put it back and drive and take, you know, just living with that mindset of, Lord, I, I want to live in your presence consciously today. I want to make sure that I'm not. And so I don't know, just that comfort, that peace, that security. Her, her brother just died. She's sorrowing, right? She's hurting. She runs and she lets him know, Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. But she's at his feet. She's at his feet. The place that she needs to be. The place that she finds all of these things. In Psalm 30, verse 5, second part of that verse says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Time and place. Our last section of scripture, we're going to look at today's section, John chapter 12. So jump on over one chapter to John chapter 12. We were in John chapter 11. John chapter 12, and we'll look at these eight verses. And this is where we find ourselves as we go through the Bible. So, so far we just see Mary is a neat worshiper of God. She just, she sees something in Jesus that everyone else who was following him saw, but, you know, her response seems to be a little different. Her approach seems to be a little different. And because of that, certain things are revealed. There's revelations that she's given. And again, I love the fact that God is not a respecter of persons. What woman in this culture would be able to get this in the religious system of the day? Not a woman on earth. And yet God doesn't care. He doesn't care about political correctness or what the religiosity is saying or what, you know, current people or what's in the know or what's popular or what's the view. Not a respecter of persons, whether that be male, female, again, rich, poor, race. It, none of that matters. The individual that wants to press in, the individual that so desires to spend time in 
God's presence is going to receive because God will be a debtor to nobody. He just will not allow his creation to outgive him. Nobody will get to heaven and say, God, I gave you more. Ha, 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 I beg to differ. John's Gospel, chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served. Good job, Martha. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus. Verse 3, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. Where's she at? She's at his feet again. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil sold? Uh, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to uh, take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Alabaster flask can be a box or a jar, a vial. In the Greek, the word is alabastron. Can also mean perfume vase. Alabaster was a stone commonly found in Israel. It was a hard stone resembling white marble. It is thought that this was her dowry, that this was everything that she owned, that this was, you know, her value in that culture. She is taking the very best of her future and she is wasting it. On the feet of Jesus. And yet we have this story for us. Preserved in all of history. To let us know that her Savior, her Lord, her Creator is pleased. To receive such a costly sacrifice. Mary seems to know that the time of Jesus' death on the cross is at hand. And I find it interesting because his disciples are simultaneously clueless even after Jesus communicates with them. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, 30 through 35. Let me read it to you. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. Can Jesus be any clearer? After he is killed, he will rise the third day, but they did not understand this saying when we're afraid to ask him. Just so that you have further commentary, Mark is kind enough to let us know what was on the minds and the hearts of Jesus' disciples, these men, these men of God. Woo! The apostles. These are the apostles, not even the B apostles. These are the apostles. Verse 33 says, Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. 
For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. They're talking about who's going to be greatest when Jesus comes into his kingdom. Mary is taking everything that society and the world and even her heart knows to be her worth, her value, everything of her future, and she's just laying it, pouring it out. There's no getting it back. Once she does that, it's done. The word worship in the Greek is proskuneo, to turn to and to kiss. And what an act of worship, just the intimacy, the tenderness that Mary is displaying here. Second thing I saw was Mary had settled conviction and confidence in her Lord, so much so that she is not compelled to defend herself in the face of criticism. Who again defends her? Jesus. Jesus rises up to Judas Iscariot and says, leave her alone. She's done this in preparation for my burial. Something that you didn't see, nor the other 11. I'm telling you I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm telling you I'm going to be crucified. I'm telling you on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. I am going to die. I'm telling you somehow she gets it. And you guys are arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Jesus defends her. He did the same thing in the first account of Luke. She doesn't rise up to defend herself with her sister Martha. But Jesus says it's not going to be taken away from her. She's chosen the good thing. She's chosen the right thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her. So as I go through... This man, just what a heart to desire to spend time in God's presence, to be with Jesus. And it's not lip service. I mean, we're doing this or we're not. We're about this or we're not. You know, the, the fact that we're going to heaven and salvation is paid for, I think that's awesome. But I, the people that I counsel with, the, the, the multitudes that I counsel, and they tell me how messed up their lives are, and I'll hit up three, four simple little things. How's your prayer life? How's your fellowship? How's your Bible study? Are you partaking of communion and remembering the sacrifice? Acts 2.42. It's not rocket science. It's simple. And yet we, we, I don't have time to pray. You don't have time to pray? You have time to breathe. If you have time to breathe, you have time to pray. Because you think. And if you think, take those thoughts and give them to God. Give your thoughts to God. And when, like me, you find yourself thinking of something else, because I start my prayer list, right? I start to pray. And then I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on hubcaps and french fries, and I don't know how I got there, but I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay, who's that, Justine? Let's see, I got the four daughter, Justine, Jocelyn. All right, I was on Jocelyn this time. Okay, here I go. Whoo, okay, sorry about that, Lord. French fries and hubcaps, lug nuts and, whoo, okay, horns. I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I got there. But my mind just, whew, but then I bring it back. And I, and I continue wherever I left off. And usually I do it horizontally. Yeah, like this, in my bed. And I fall asleep for an hour and a half. And then I wake up. And I pick up where I left off. And that's okay. But sitting at the feet of Jesus, I think we make it harder than it needs to be. It's in the simplicity of doing what we're doing today. 
just simply coming to hear His Word and being able to worship Him and love Him and adore Him. And it doesn't have to be that difficult. But throughout the day, when we leave and we do life, don't leave Him. Take Him with you. He's there with you. We cannot get away from His presence. We cannot get away from His Spirit. The Psalm 139 tells us, right? Where can I go from Your Spirit? If I send to heaven, You're there. If I go to the depths of hell, You are there, right? So He's with us. He's in us. I pray that we would just live in that mindset of, Lord, I want to walk and talk with you today. I just want to bring you in. And then challenge him. Dare him. Lord, I dare you to put somebody in front of me that, would, that needs to hear about you. Dare you, Lord. Ooh, you won't. You're scared. Right? And watch what he does. 